like I said, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2. Um, and, and we're going to be in our third part of the Gator series, which the more and more I think about it, and I, I'm so glad that God put this on Gino's heart because it just, it works so beautifully. If we were to really take this, and, and I pray that you do, and I pray that this series challenges you to do this, that if we take this model of prayer and we really apply it to our lives, man, it'll revolutionize your prayer life. Because through this, in the past few weeks that I've just been studying and looking over the scripture, God's revealed that to me. So the first night we looked at, at glory, that's what the G stands for, is, is glory, or to glorify. And it's this whole thought of, of seeing God for who he truly is and understanding God for who he truly is and, and, and praising him for who he truly is. So if you start your prayer life off talking about how big God is and how amazing God is and how just mind-blowing and awe-inspiring God is, it puts your mind in the right perspective. And then we looked at A, which was admit. And, and when we see God in the perspective that he's in, if we see how big he is and we see his realness and we see his awesomeness, then what that does is it makes us look at ourselves. And when we look at ourselves, it should cause us to admit things that are in our life. And so in the beginning of our prayers, if we'll look at God for who he is, and then we'll look at ourself for who we are, it sets us up in the right perspective. It sets us up to, to pray the right way. And then tonight, we're gonna look at thankfulness. And I, and I believe that if we'll go from looking at God to looking at us and then remembering what God does and what he's already done, then when we get to the request part, which will be next week, then our prayers will be vastly different. They won't be selfish prayers. They won't be prayers of, of if God or if you will or if you can. They will be out of this, this motive of serious just, just dedication to God and being able to see everything that he does and be able to ask these ridiculously wild, crazy prayers. If you've thought about how awesome he is and thought about how it's, it's crazy that he even used you and gets your sin out of the way and then you start thanking him for all he does, you're able to come to him and knowing that he's already able and capable of answering prayers. So that's what we're gonna look at tonight, thankfulness. And so I'm gonna pray and we'll, we'll launch into this thing. God, I just, I'm, I'm so grateful for just, just the ability to stand here. God, for, for gifts of of just of, of enough wealth to have the things that we have. God, that you've allowed us to have the resources and the, the materials that we have. God, there's so, so many people around the world that have so much less than we do. God, so I pray that we would always be thankful for the way that you've blessed us financially. God, and I pray that you would, that you would always remind us to be thankful for just the people that are in this room. God, you've given us a family, a very specific family that you've orchestrated God, you planned out where all of us would be. You planned out who our families would be. You, you knit us together in our, our mother's wombs and you put us where we were supposed to be for your purpose and, and for your mission, God. And so you've orchestrated this family here, even for the ones that, that couldn't be with us tonight. God, you've orchestrated us to be together as a family and I'm thankful for that. God, I'm thankful for all the things that you've done in the past and God, I'm thankful for all the things that I know that you're gonna do in the future. God, one of those being, I, I'm thankful for what you're gonna do tonight. God, you've already done such a work in me. You've already done, just, just this lesson has, has beat me up and, and just in my own reading, you've, you've been beating me up this week. God, and, and showing me how much more I need to be doing and showing me how I need to change and showing me the wickedness in my heart. 
God, so I pray that you would do that here tonight for all the people that are here, for the, for the ones that may listen to this later, God, for, just for everybody this message come in contact with. God, I pray that it would just rub them and, and, and press down upon them in a way that changes them. God, I pray that it would be your words, not mine. God, in all that we do, we give you glory and we give you honor for it. God, so be with me, speak to, through me, God. Speak to me, speak to these people. God, and change us, please. I beg you to change us. God, in your name I pray. Amen. So what we've got here is when First Samuel kind of shows up, you, you've had Ruth, um, you've had Judges, you've had Joshua, you, you kind of had this whole series of things happen to the, uh, the people of Israel. So they've, they've left Egypt, they've kind of become their own little nation, um, and they were... They were being ruled by these leaders. They were you know, led by Moses. They were led by Joshua. And then Joshua kind of passes away and he, the, these people need somebody to rule over them. They need somebody to have leadership over them. And so what happens is God appoints these judges, which is what the book of Judges is about. Some awesome, awesome stories. If you were here for the uh, Weird Gross True, I think was the name of that series, uh, there's, we pulled a lot of stories from that that book, there's some cool stuff in there. Then you, you read the book of Ruth, um, and it's this awesome story about this man named Boaz and this woman named Ruth. It's the story of redemption. It's, it's amazing, and all of it points to Christ. Um, but it's all during the time of Judges. It's all during the time of, of this, these people, the, the group of Israel being ruled by Judges. And so when we get to 1 Samuel, it's the same setup. Um, and so I'm, I'm gonna quickly just kind of go through um, 1 Samuel, read a, a little bit of it, 1 Samuel 1. Um, and then we're really going to spend a lot of time in, in chapter two. But what happens is there's this, this prophet. So the, you've got judges that are ruling, but you've got prophets that are there as well, kind of guiding people and guiding, directing God's word and telling people who or what God wants to do. And, and this guy's name was Eli. There's a, a prophet named Eli. But he had really, really awful sons, horrible sons. And so the, the, the way it worked is, is your sons kind of took over your priesthood after you passed away. It was something that was like a family thing. Um, and they were just awful. They were only in it, they're really just like in it for the money, if you want to compare it to modern day. They were in it for the perks. They were in it for the fact that they really didn't have to work. They just kind of hung out all day at the church. Um, and and it's, they, they really weren't concerned with what God would want them to do. And so God's plan was to kind of take that family line out of the priesthood. Well, he needs somebody new to step into that place. And we find out later on that Samuel is the one that kind of moves into that place. But, but, it, but his life, his story, starts with a very broken woman. So God had this huge plan in place. He was going to use Samuel to do amazing things. He was going to uh, use Samuel to appoint the first kings. I mean, it's, it's really, really cool when you read First and Second Samuel, all the things that happen. But Samuel's life starts at a place of desperation because Samuel's mom was barren. She's a lot like Sarah from the Abraham um, talk that we did. You know, we, we, we learned about Sarah. She was barren, um, but God blessed her and changed her womb to where she could have a son. And, and Samuel's mother was, was the same way. And her name was Hannah. And so we read in, in verse, or chapter 1, verse 1, um, that there's a certain man of a word that I can't pronounce. Um, and he lived in the hill country of Epaphram, whose name was Elkanah the son of Jerohim, son of Elihu, son of, well, it looks like Tofu, but with an H. Um, 
kind of gives them uh, another, uh, another name. And he says he has two wives in verse two. The name of one was Hannah and the name of the other was Paniah. And Paniah had children, but Hannah had no children. And so in this culture, if you, if you had a wife that was barren to you, that, that couldn't give you sons, it was like this thing where they did culturally that you could go marry a second wife so that she could have your children, so that your lineage wasn't broken, that you were not left without an offspring or an heir. So this is what uh, Elkanah did. He, he had this extra wife, this other wife, and there was a lot of strife between those two women because what was happening was is they'd go up to, to sacrifice and they would do things as, a, as this big family unit, and Elkanah really loved Hannah the most. You see this by the way that he treated her. She, she always got a double portion uh, of the stuff they sacrificed. So she got like the, the head place at the table. He was the one that he, you know, probably picked some flowers for more, did some little, little romantic things, really invested in her more than the other woman. So you could tell that Elkanah loved Hannah more. But what would happen is, is there was strife between the two women. This Paniah had children, and so she constantly brought her down, made fun of her. It's a very, very similar story as, as, as um, Sarah and Hagar um, that we looked at a, a few months ago. This just broke Hannah's heart because she wanted to be able to fulfill her duty as, as a wife to, to give Elkanah children. And so she's broken over it for years and years and years. All the while, she had to see this other woman provide the very thing that she wanted so desperately to, to give to her husband. And so what happens is, is this goes on year after year, and as often as they went up to the house of the Lord, which is just where they went to pray and where they went to, um, to offer sacrifices. So starting in verse seven, it says, and so it went on year by year. As often as she went to the house of the Lord, she used to, this other girl used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and she would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? And am I not more than 10 sons? So he's trying to do that man thing where he fixes it. It's like, oh, honey, honey, it's okay. Like pets her, pets her head. It says, it's gonna be okay. Am I not, I'm, I'm worth more than 10 sons. It's okay. And she's like, no, you dummy, you don't get it. Which is, you know, how the rest of your lives will go, men. Um, because we don't listen well. It's, it's just a thing. Um, and so it says, after, after that, it says, after they've eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting at the seat beside the doorpost of the temple. So in this place where, where, where they were doing the sacrifice and they were eating, um, Eli the priest kind of sat next to the door in this really elevated seat, kind of showed his position. And it says in verse 10, she was deeply distressed and she prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. So she's having this like emotional snot cry breakdown at the altar. She's losing her mind. She's just so upset. And uh, so she, she was just deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Now she continued to pray before the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you keep on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. So this woman was so upset. She was so distressed and just broken that 
Eli, the, the, the priest there, this godly man said, dude, that girl is drunk. She's drunk off her horse. We're going to have to put her out of the temple because this, this is getting disgraceful. And then he presses her and is like, why, why are you coming in here being drunk? Why are you? So he tries to like bodyguard, like bounce her out the door. And she's like, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. I, I, I'm praying to God, it says in verse 15, but Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that he has made to you, or that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. So what you've got is this woman who's broken, and she's desperately pouring out her heart to God. Desperately. She's come before the altar, broken over her situation, and she is begging God to do this great work in her. A work that just defies all logic and, and all understanding. Even to the point where Eli just sees her and thinks she's a drunk woman. But then after he explains, he says, go and may God bless what you've been praying for. And it just so happens that God heard her cries and God listened to her and God showed mercy to her. And then it says in verse 19, it says, they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house in Ramah and Elkanah knew his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son and she called his name Samuel, Samuel for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. So God hears her cry and answers her prayer, which is awesome, right? Like this barren woman who'd been trying to have kids for forever. Her husband's already married another woman. So I mean, that, that would have taken some time. Like you don't just like try that once and go, hup, you're broken. Let me go get another one. That's not how it works. They would have tried for a couple years. Once it was obvious that she was barren, then he would have gone and married another woman. So this was a long process, but God finally hears and answers. When he does, Hannah keeps her promise. So she, she's promised God that if, if he'll answer her prayer, if he'll answer what she's asked him, that she will dedicate her son to the temple. And what this was, is a Nazarite vow. And you could take little small ones. Um, Paul does in the New Testament, he takes a vow of the Nazarite. And so they grew their hair out. They didn't drink wine, they didn't do anything, but it was this, really this moment of like intense fasting, wanting to dedicate themselves to the Lord so the Lord would talk to them, would communicate and, and guide them. And so what Hannah is vowing, she said, I will give him to the service of the Lord forever. His life will be a service to the Lord. So that's what he promised. That's what she promised God beforehand. If, if he would just give her a son, then she would give him right back. She just wanted her womb to be open and wanted to have that child so bad. So God listens and God answers that prayer and she, she um, has the, the baby. Um, she tells her husband what they're gonna do and as soon as she weans him, she gives Samuel to the temple. And they have this whole ceremony where they, they sacrifice um, and she, she tells Eli she goes and she says in verse 26, and she said, Oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence. 
praying to the Lord for this child I pray and the Lord has granted my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. So he's been given to the Lord. So we see this amazing, amazing story of, of God healing this woman, healing her womb and doing this amazing thing in her life. It's an awesome story of, of her requesting something and, and God listening. But what I want to focus on tonight is her prayer. If you look in, in chapter two, it's, it's, it should be called in your, your Bible, Hannah's Prayer. And I just want to read it and I want to talk about it for a second. So chapter two, verse one says in this, and Hannah prayed and said, my heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemy because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There's no one besides you. There's no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth for the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren have borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life he brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked ones shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken into pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king the exalted, and, and exalt the horn of his anointed. So what you see here, what you see in this, this set of scriptures is Hannah praising the God that has just answered her prayer. And there's so many really awesome things in this prayer. So she says at first, my heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. She's saying, my praise is in the Lord. My life has been lifted up. I've been exalted in the Lord. I exalt the Lord. I lift him up. I praise him. I, I give him glory. I give him honor. And she goes on in verse two. It says, there's no one holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There's no rock like our God. So she is <clears throat> lifting up this joyful praise of thanks and appreciation for changing her entire world, for changing her entire life, for, for taking this broken woman who was beaten down and, and broken and, and ridiculed for who she was, and he changes her. He hears her prayer, her lowly, lowly prayer. She was nobody, she was nothing, and yet God of the universe looked down at her and heard her prayer and changed her life forever, forever. She goes on and says, talk no more very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth for the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are ways. So she says, God, you, you know us intimately. You don't just see our actions. You don't just see what's going on on the outside. God, I'm so, I'm so in awe of who you are because not only do you see what we do on the outside, but you weigh our hearts. She's praising God for his intimacy with human nature. She's praising God for how much he loves us and how much he loves us on these small things. She's having her eyes open to the fact that God isn't just a God of big things. He's God of intimate, small things, that he's caring about the individual needs of the individual people. She says he sees to the heart. 
It says, the bows of the mighty are fallen, but the feeble bind on strength. It says, those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. She's saying, you're even worried about the hunger of your people. It says, the barren has born seven, and she who has many children is forlorn. It says, the Lord kills and brings to life. She's saying, God, you alone have power over life and death. You alone have power over life and death and you care enough to have power over life and death. It says you bring down Sheol and you raise up. You have the ability to control how things work in, in life and death and to, to, to where people go after life and death. It says the Lord makes poor and makes rich. You have dealings in all things. You have dealings with each and every one of us, even down to the financial parts that we have. You're in control, you are sovereign. It says he brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust he lifts up the needy from the ash heap and makes him sit with princes and inherit the seat of honor. And it says, for the pillar of the earth of the Lord's and on them he has set the world. In this we see Hannah's eyes opened to all that God is. Before she may have had a wrong mindset about who God is. Only praying, I mean, she prayed for years thinking maybe God doesn't hear me. Maybe God isn't listening to my prayers. Maybe God isn't actually there for me, but in this, after her prayers are answered, she is so thankful and her eyes are open to how God works. Her eyes are open to the God that, that loves her intimately and loves her in the small things, who cares about her day to day, who cares about the fact that she's being ridiculed, who cares about the fact that she is not able to produce uh, an heir for her husband, who cares in the small things and is, is, is in control of every little minute detail of the world. That's what her, her, her song says and talks about. And so we see a woman, we see a woman who is filled with thanks. We see a woman who's filled with appreciation and a praise for the God who loved her enough to listen to her prayer. And so as I was looking at this message and I was really thinking through it, I had to ask myself the question, what is thanks? What is thanks? You know, we're moving into Thanksgiving, we're moving into to a time of thanks. And I know some of you weirdos go around the table and say, one thing that you're thankful for. We don't do that. We just shove our faces until we're full and then we leave and go to another Thanksgiving. I have four Thanksgivings to go to. I will have gained 12 pounds after this season. Uh, um, but I also believe that, that true thanks is a little bit lost in an American culture. Because what we do is we're like, I need this to happen this way. And, and God, if you make this happen this way, um, that'd be awesome. And we're, we're very selfish. We're very arrogant. We're very me-centered. And, and we, we want all these things. Like it shows up all the time at Christmas. We ask for all these things and we want all these things and then four months later we've forgotten those things existed and we weren't actually thankful for them in the beginning. We just wanted stuff. And so I had to ask myself, what is true thanks? And what this scripture showed me is true thanks is exactly what Hannah did. True thanks involves praising the giver. True thanks involves praising the giver. And so what we see in Hannah is her eyes are open and she thanks God from the deepest part of her soul because it was a prayer from the deepest part of her soul. So she was able to appreciate it on such a different level and she began to appreciate God on such a different level. 
And she was genuinely thankful. And she was so thankful that even at the end of it, she kept her promise. Because you gotta understand, and, and, and you don't really realize this until you have kids, that to pray for kids and to pray for kids and to pray for kids and just be, have such a desire to have children and then to make a promise like Hannah made. So in that culture, when she made that promise, she was, she was bound by it. She had to give that son up to the temple, which means they didn't have a relationship anymore. So she had this child and she could have done this. She could have had the child and went, God, I'm so, so thankful. But uh, you're not really gonna make me keep that promise, are you? Because I've had this child and I, I've, 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 I've had it. And I, I really, I know that you gave it to me so I could give it back to you. Um, but I really would love to give this child to my husband as an heir. I really would love to really do that differently. So God, if you could, if you could just let me out of that contract that we just talked about earlier, um, that'd be awesome. And then we don't wait for God's answer. We just, we just do what we want. Or we pray, to put it in our perspective, we pray for healings for people. We pray over and over and over again that God would do a, a huge work and, and send forgiveness and send salvation and, and rescue to these people that are really, really sick. And then they get healed and we're like, dang, those doctors get a, did a good job. Man, I'm so glad that that, that test came back wrong. Um, that, God, those doctors must have read it wrong. You know, it was sad when, when, when Mr. Larry had full-blown lymphoma. I'm talking like, it was everywhere. They said his whole body was eat up with it. They gave him like, like I think it was like a month or two to live. They said it was gonna take him out. They were starting to make plans. And then he goes back a couple weeks later and there's no sign of it. The very first thought that a lot of people had, and I had conversations with people, and so I, I'm not just throwing people under the bus like these are real conversations. Do you think the doctors just missed it? I think the doctors just missed it. They read something wrong and I wanted to like pull all my hair out and scream, no, God does miracles. The healings that we see in the Bible, hey guys, this is the same God, the same Holy Spirit. Or when we pray for somebody to get saved, I, I prayed for my father for years to get saved. They were like, all right, sweet God, that was awesome. Um, all right, um, I'm gonna go get a taco. There's no thanks. There's no song that comes out of us when things like that happen. Those are huge things. And so I think as a culture, we don't really know what thanks is. And we also don't know what thanks does. And that's really where I want to sit for the rest of tonight to, to kind of wrap this thing up. We don't know what thanks does. See, Hannah's life after this point was completely changed forever. See, she's got the glorifying down. She's got it down. We even see her admitting some things about herself and being broken and being at a point where she's willing to do whatever to get her child. But then we see her be super thankful. We don't read much else about Hannah after this point, but I guarantee you that her prayers were different from that point on. Because what thankfulness does is it unlocks something with inside you. I prayed for, and I'll, I'll use this as an example. So this is going to sound really lame um, of me, um, and don't nobody do the all thing. Um, so for a long time, I had no friends. And like, not like no friends, like I was this loser, like I, I couldn't get friends. But what happened is I got called into ministry, and all the friends that I used to have no longer wanted to make time for a guy in the ministry because it wasn't as cool anymore. Because when they started cussing, I'd be like, hey, maybe don't do that. 
or when they're over there talking about how fine this chick is and want to start talking about how they want to do uh, really dirty things, I separated myself because I didn't want to view women like that anymore. I don't want to be a part of those conversations. So I became the fuddy-duddy, if you will. That's what my grandpa always calls people, or a stick in the mud. No fun. So I lost all my friends. Lost them all. And so I was stuck in this weird place where I was going to online school. You can't make friends in online school. That's just not how that works. And I was here, but I really didn't have a whole lot of people that I either knew or, or was super close to because I had just gotten here. I mean, this is only like three years ago. And so for months and months and months, and I cried over this, I wept over this. Me and Olivia both wept over this. We prayed desperately that God would send godly people into my life, godly men in my life that would hold me accountable, that would love on me, that would help me grow. And for the longest time, I didn't have that. I didn't. had nobody. I had a, a guy pop up who I still love dearly, but he was much younger than me, and really our only connection was that we liked to ride motorcycles. And that was awesome, and I still love him dearly, but he was not the one that I was praying for. And then, after almost, I'm going to say about a year of praying, JP rolls around. I sit in a meeting after I'd sent an email to a secretary who I did not know. I'd never heard of. Somebody just told me that a church may be interested. And the secretary sent the email to a youth pastor who showed up out of nowhere. And within three months, me and Tyler Dover were best friends. And then something even cooler happened because guess who was playing worship music for JP? Mr. Blake Fletcher. He's playing the drums, which he hardly ever does now. And so in walks my life, these two answered prayers. I probably call Tyler and Blake every day. I mean, it's, it's pretty close. I have a routine. I call Tyler at 8, 8 o'clock because his son wakes up at 4.30, and I know he's awake. I give Blake a little extra time. <laughs> but I'll tell you what that's done for me because I prayed broken for years for that situation. And now that God has answered that prayer, I have more confidence to go back to the well and pray again. Another story to hit you a little bit more. I prayed for months that God would rescue me from panic attacks and depression. Prayed for months and months and months and months. And it didn't go away. It didn't go away to the point that I wanted to kill myself. And I almost committed suicide. But then God rescued me from it and answered that prayer. And I can stand here almost seven years later and say that I've not had another one since. God answers prayers. And what that does is I think back to God rescuing me from that. I think back to God rescuing me through my salvation. I think back to God answering the prayer of rescuing my dad and saving his life. I, I think back to even the small things. Like you would think that God does not care if you have friends. That's not what he's working on. That's not what he's about. He's working on much bigger, catastrophic things. But he even came down and answered my, my, my loneliness and put godly men in my, wife, in my life. He sent me my wife. I met her in Lowe's. Lowe's, in front of the paint swatches. But I'd been praying desperately. I remember thinking, I remember I was sitting at Scott Miller's house because I lived with him for about three months. And I sat there and I looked him in the eyes with tears coming out of my eyes. And I said, is it too much to ask for a godly woman? Is it too much to ask for a woman who actually has a heart for God? 
And a month later, there she comes looking like Rosie the Riveter with her red bandana and her bright red lipsticks looking at paint. And I was smitten. And then I stalked her on social media until I figured out who she was. But I prayed for that, guys. I prayed for it. I desperately prayed for it. And then I found out I was pregnant with Adelaide. And yes, it's I was pregnant because you're both pregnant. Don't judge me. I'm telling you, guys, listen, listen. If you go into the mindset, this is where I'm pointing. If you go into the, if you go into, once you're married and you actually start having a kid, if you go into the mindset that it's just her that's pregnant, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. Don't be that dad that doesn't do anything. You change every single diaper and you let her sleep as much as you can because wives don't sleep when they have babies. Doesn't work that way. They're up. Their mom brain doesn't slow down. But I pray desperately that my daughter would be okay. I have genetic disease issues in my family. And she could have very much came out with something and we would have loved her immensely no matter what. But I prayed desperately that she would come out healthy with all her fingers and toes. And God blessed me with, I'm biased as crap, but God blessed me with the most beautiful daughter that ever existed. I love her and she's amazing. And when I remember all these things, when I remember what God has done and I'm thankful for it, when I'm truly thankful for those things, one more and I'm done. I, I, just, I, can't, I can't let this one go. I got called into ministry and I was over there serving at Buck Creek. I have no degree. I don't have a degree. I'm not on paper qualified to be at the job that I'm at. I was working at the bank and Gino can attest, it is good money, but oh my gosh, is it an awful job? Franklin can attest. Matt and Hannah can attest. Working at the bank is zero fun, but it has great benefits and it pays well. So if you need a job, go that direction. It's awesome. But it's hard because you deal like, I think Gino told me the other day you did like 270 transactions. That's 270 different people in your face yelling at you because they don't have any money. It's hard. So I remember praying and praying and praying and praying and praying that God would open up a door for me to be in ministry somewhere because I felt that call. Even though I wasn't qualified and it didn't make any sense to me. JP once again, it was the same JP. No, it was a couple years before. Bill Harris is in my group. And day one of JP, I realized that Scott and Bill had been talking along with Tommy. And the first day he goes, oh, by the way, um, do you want to be a youth pastor? And then I had to work all week with Bill. Do you know how awful having a week-long interview is? <laughs> Who's ever had an interview? You ever had an interview for a job? Imagine that lasting from eight o'clock in the morning to 12 o'clock for an entire week. I broke every tool that man had. I really did. But God hired me, he opened up the door. What that does in my life is I know the exact same things that Hannah knows, that God is the God of small things and big things. And when you are truly thankful in your heart and you remember all the things that God has done for you, you end up with this extra power in your prayers. Because you're no longer going to a God that might help. You're no longer going to a God that, that if he is willing, he can help. Or you're no longer going to a God that, oh, if it's in your will, God, please let me do this. No, you're going to a God that cares. You're going to a God that has answered before. You're going, on, you're going to somebody that is reliable. And you have proof to back it up. So when I go to God, I go, God, I'm so thankful for what you've done in my past, but I'm about to ask you for something more and I trust you to come through on the other end. 
Guys, I am begging you. Gino is begging you. This is the heart behind this series. Pray the way that we're asking you to pray because if you will glorify God and realize who he is and allow that realization to hit you where in the heart and show you who you are and then you start getting thankful for the stuff that he's already done, by the time you get to requesting God, you are going to request some crazy big things. Because once you realize you're praying to the God who literally fashioned the universe by speaking, and once you realize that you are a broken person that God still wants to use, and then you remember all the things that he's already done in your life, then by the time you come to asking for something, you can ask for whatever the heck you want to. As long as it's in God's will and God will smile and say, all right, let me work it out for you. I'm standing on this stage alive with friends, an amazing wife and an amazing daughter and a life that I absolutely love. And it's all as a result of things that God has brought me through and prayers that he has answered. So our challenge to you during the series is to pray the way that we're asking to. Just try it. Try it. Tell God and praise him for all that he is. Ask him to reveal things in your life that you need to work on to bring you guys closer. Thank him for all the things that he has done. And then let those three things shape your requests, which Gina's gonna get into next week. Thankfulness is a key that unlocks all the potential to your prayer because it's no longer if, no longer God please. It's God, I believe this to be in your will. I believe this is where we're going. This is what I need you to do for me, God. Will you do it? I'm praying expectantly. And when you pray expectantly, everything changes, everything. So this is what I'm gonna do. Um, I'm gonna ask, and Franklin, you tell me no if you can't do it. I want you to play the guitar. And Abby, I want you to sing. Would you sing Thank You, Jesus? And I want the rest of you to stand. <clears throat> I want you to do two things for me. One, See, it's a knot of breaking stuff. Um, one being, I want you to pray to God for something that you're thankful for. I want you to look back in your mind. I want you to look back at all that he's done. I want you to go to your salvation moment. And if you don't have a salvation moment, I would love to talk to you afterwards. But for those that do, Think back to that. Think back to anything that you've prayed for and you've requested God to do. And I want you to spend a moment praying for that and thanking God for that, having your own song moment with God. Praying big that God would just, just show you other things in your life to be thankful for. God, that, you know, just asking Him and praising Him to allow you to be a more thankful person and thanking Him for the things that He's done. But then I want you to do something else for me. This is something I've been doing all week. I want you to dust off that prayer that's too big to ask God for. But you think about what he's already done and I want you to dust off that prayer that's too big. And then I want you to ask him expecting because after you thank him for all that he's done, I pray that God would show you that he's a God that can do it again. That he's a God that wants desperately to answer your prayers. 
This is what I ask of you tonight. Nothing big, nothing crazy. If you want to come down to the altar to pray, awesome. If you want to sit in your seat, that's awesome. Do whatever you need to do, but be thankful for something first. Remind yourself of the things that God has done. And then dust dust off that old prayer and pray it again. Pray it with your whole heart, seeking the same God that's answered you before. As I sing, you pray.